0: as possibly bleak as this welcome everyone to another episode of chessy hour we are doing a special series um it's the summer obviously there's international games going on these poor guys can't go on a holiday they're dragging them back, back out to do the international football but for us as Chelsea fans, I think this is the season where we just really care about transfers. Now, I know a lot of people say they hate this. It's silly season. They hate getting linked because they get their hopes up and the players don't come through. But me, I love it. I love transfer season. I'm joined here with man like Joe. What are you saying, MLJ? I'm
1: good, man. Hope you're blessed.
0: Yes, yes, I am blessed. Um, yeah, I love this. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Because a lot of people hate the transfer season. I love it. How do you feel about transfer season?
1: It's always up and down for me. And for me, it's like I'm always interested on in what the new thing is, the next direction we're going in. But at the same yeah. time, all story, the stories, the false stories, trying to figure out what's real, what's not, can be a bit tedious mm-hmm. sometimes.
0: This is, I guess for me, I've always, I've heard people complain about it. And I guess for me, the reason why it doesn't really grate me as much as my, most people is because... I generally take everything with a pinch of salt. Obviously, there's some people that I rate more than than others. And to be fair, like I think most people know about her now. But I love the way ES Grimes on Twitter has come from like nowhere. I think she came, I came across her account about a year ago when this whole kind of ha- Chelsea were chasing Haaland. And obviously, I think she lives in Germany. But you know, especially in a sport dominated by males um we've had so many sometimes i listen to podcasts with all of these itks and i can hear the bullshit do you know what you can hear is people making things up and waffling i've been there Joe. you know sometimes like when you're just saying things to fill space and there's right. some
1: go on now 100 percent it's just like you just know it's like you're just making it up on the spot like there's not on you just you can hear it in their voice it's just yeah. like there's no facts to it at all. It's just like <laughs> speculation.
0: And this is why I'm glad that Chessy, Hour, we're not necessarily ITKs like that. I know that um, a lot of people are doing well because they've got connections, but I like kind of being divorced from all that kind of connections thing. And I don't necessarily want people to listen in because they're going to hear the latest rumors. I don't I know that a lot of podcasts even invite journalists on because, oh yeah, this journalist, but let's ask them about questions and who's linked. And listen, they've got a place. In the kind of whole Chelsea community. I'm not knocking them. But for me, I just I always take what they say with a pinch of salt. I like firsthand news. A lot of the time, Tuchel like will say, we're gonna sign two or three players. Then the journalists will come out and say, no, they're gonna sign four. And then people get upset that we didn't sign four players when Tuchel at the beginning said, listen, two or three players. So like I I, I usually take what they say with Pinch of Soul. Obviously, there's some people that have a proven track record. And for me, right now, the only person that I'm listening to is E.S. Grimes. She's talking about the transfer, um, Chelsea's targets. It's interesting. So she seems to think, obviously, Koundé and Dembele is two big ones. She announced today that apparently Dembele is wrapped up. So she's put her neck on the line, but she's done this before. And Chelsea fans are happy about that. Sangare. Sangare and Besuma are two DMs. It looks like they're the DM options that we're looking at um, because apparently we're going for DMs. Left wing-back options, Cucurella and Borna Sosa. I just like Borna Sosa's name. And I like the fact that he um, models himself on Beckham. And so like ever since, well, not ever since Trent, but people want more like expert crossers as well. People that are good at deliveries at fullback and he's supposed to be like um, a Beckham a Croatian Beckham from left-back. Kukurella we all know about. We was linked with him, um, not necessarily Lampard's target, but we was linked with him under Lampard, as we was linked with Gosens too. Um, and in, in defence, we're linked with, I still don't know how to say his name, with so G. Bardio, we're linked with Quilibali, we're linked with Paul Torres. Um, and then in attack, we've been linked with Gnabry, uh, Nkuku, Lewandowski, and some people are linking us with Lautaro. Now, in this series, we're going to focus on, we're going to have different members of the Chelsea cast Chelsea cast on. And we also might be inviting some of our listeners on too. And essentially what I want to do is I want to get, if you had your way, if you was the sporting director. Uh, so on this episode, it's you, Joe. But again, we're going to be doing a series and we're going to figure out, okay, what would you do this summer? Because the thing is, a lot of people think they know what's best for Chelsea, right? And I would love, what I want to do is, I'm going to create almost like a catalogue of our ideas of what we should make our first 11 for next season. And then, yeah, as the season goes on, I want to compare it. Who had the best idea of what we should do going into the season? And so we're going to start this series with you, Joe. Um, And what I'll say, Joe, is thank you, number one, for going first.
1: It's all good. It's all good. I'm glad to be here.
0: And also what I'll say is this, because I think the later you leave it, it's almost like the more you've got, because, you know, other players might appear, et cetera, et cetera. So what I'll say is, even though you're going first, don't worry. Towards the end of the summer, I'll give you a chance to, you know, change it around. But what we'll do is we'll get all of them on a Chessie account, and then we'll track it through the season to see who had the best idea of starting an 11 for 2022, 2023. So we're going to get into your um, starting 11. So I don't want to do the whole squad thing because it just gets way too complicated. But you've already put together your starting 11 for um, your proposed starting 11 for 2022, 2023. Now, before we get into the actual um, players that you've chosen, I want to talk about what. What are you going for in terms of philosophy? So you know how we play now. And obviously you've got your idea of what we can do to improve that. So in terms of if you were to put put man like Joe Stamp on what we're currently doing to make us better, what would you change about our philosophy? So not necessarily players, but what would you change about how we play?
1: I feel like the most important thing is the attackers, the wingers or the double tens or split strikers, whatever they are, they need to have complete freedom. They need to be able to feel like they can do what they do best on the pitch. They need to be able to know that they're not just restricted to specific zones on the pitch. I feel like for us to be able to unlock low blocks and to be able to shift defenses, we need to be able to be flexible and fluid around the pitch. And I feel like sometimes we struggle with that.
0: So, so that's so one
1: of the main things I do.
0: So complete freedom for the attackers and you don't believe we have complete freedom currently?
1: I feel like this season,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if I'm being fair, I feel like this season we've seen them more mm-hmm. compared to last season. Like, for example, like with the wing backs, they become more inverted. Mm-hmm. They're... Wingers become the tens become more wingers hugging the touchline, so mm-hmm. we're seeing more of the variation. But it's like, I feel like the passing, the passing patterns and the combination play could be more at the forefront of the way we play. I feel like those are the kind of things that I like to see in a football team. I like to see a lot of passing moves. I don't just want the ball to just be recycled all the time. Like I feel like it's important ball retention, mm. but I feel like it's important to always be pushing the envelope, to be always trying something new. The attackers need to be able to feel free to be able to try something that may not come up, but may able to unsettle the defense. And I see it with the best teams, like I see it with Bayern, I see it with Man City, I see it at times with Barcelona. Do you get what I mean? They have attackers that they're just free and they're willing and they're daring to take on people. Do you get what I mean? And I feel like sometimes we struggle with that.
0: Okay. But I'm... So do you believe that the philosophy is restricting the players or currently the individuals we have are the restriction? So do you... Because you're saying... like I I think it's
1: more the philosophy, in my opinion. Obviously, the players at the same time, like we do have, we need a lot more technical players to be able to fulfil the philosophy to the highest degree. But I still feel like with Tuchel, he, he's, it's almost like he still has us playing with like the handbrake on a bit. Like,
0: But well, what, what makes you, because I just want to get into what makes you think that, but, and the only reason why I ask and challenge you, yes. is because Tuchel himself, when you hear him talking about it, he's, he's always like, no, I want to give my attackers freedom. To be fair, I think there was one time he said, as long as you're doing it in a specific area. So might maybe that's what you're talking to in terms of being hampered. But yeah, even
1: play but even like
0: but even when he was talking about wing backs, it was like, no, I don't want my wing backs to have to be focused on defense when we're attacking. It was like, no, I want you to just be focused on the attack. So that to me sounds like attacking freedom. Yes, he has his zones because it's like, OK, cool. I don't want three players in the same area. And may- maybe that's part of it. I watched, I watched the game today and it was um, the League Cup, the Capital One Cup at the, that point. 2015, we won it. It was the first trophy we won under Mourinho since he returned in his second stint. And it was so interesting to watch old games because, you know, like how um, what people try to do to shit on a new team is always they like to big up the old team even players that they may have previously trashed before now they're so amazing compared to all of the players we have now so <clears throat> it was the it was that season um and it was the first trophy that Mourinho won it was against Spurs and it was so interesting number one to see Costa play because Costa chased down everything so when you're looking at, at around at uh, Lukaku and people um, are talking about, oh, he doesn't move, etc. I saw it. I saw good movement because he always made himself free and easy to find for whenever Chelsea I mean, him was counter-attacking, but for whenever Chelsea got the ball, he made himself so easy to find. And it was like it was you didn't even have to have like prime creativity to find him. It was just a no-brainer because he'd done the work for the midfielders. His movement was so good. Um, and what was also interesting about it, <laughs> what was interesting about it is. If I paint the picture, uh, we played four-three-three. So it was Costa up front. It was Hazard on the left, Willian on the right. That's attacking three. Then in midfield, we had Sesk left central midfield. We had Ramirez right central midfield, and then we had Zuma as the um, the DM. Now, someone actually tweeted me on the account and I can't remember exactly what he said, but apparently we played Spurs before and we didn't do well. And I think Eriksson had a lot of control. So I think um, in response in this game, Mourinho put Zuma there to track Eriksson as the anchor. Um, and obviously he's not anchor. So that was interesting. Then we had Ivanovic right uh, back and we had Azpilicueta left back. And then we had Cahill and Terry I sent it back, and then we had checking goal with Courtois on the bench, and we had Drogba on the bench, and it was so interesting. Um, what was interesting about that game is number one, we didn't play possession football; we played counter-attacking football. Spurs had most of the possession. We played counter-attacking football, and what why I bring up this is it was funny because our our, our side seemed like it was split, um, like vertically. So we had a left side and the right side, and it looked like, obviously, Hazard's playing on the left, and so is Cesc. And even Costa, most of the times, he would go towards the left channel. So those three, I think, it seemed like we were weighted. Most of our attacks came from that side. And then, obviously, we had um left back, and that just freed Eden and Cesc to do more attacking. Um, and then, obviously, Zuma was there to track Ericsson. But then on the right side we had people like uh, William and Ramirez, and they were more focused on coming back to help, you know, defend. So like if even though th- don't forget both of them are players with PMP, so they could get forward and they could support the attack too. But they it almost seemed like we're just focusing on our attack completely on the left, and we were counter attacking. It was about holding. You're not going to hold the ball when you have Zuma and Ramirez in midfield and even Cesc. Cesc is always just looking up to pump the ball so he wasn't holding the ball at all. It was just let's contain Spurs and then let's get the ball quickly up to Costa um, and the only reason why I talk about that is and when you talk about attacking freedom it did feel like actually we're just going to attack through the left and even Costa like of course Costa sometimes out on the right um, and even Eden again he has a little bit of freedom but there was a there was a concentrated attack through the left. And it's interesting because Costa, Hazard and Cesc, they all wanted to be in close proximity to to one another. And even if you think about like when we had Eden and Mata, who everybody likes as a partnership, they, they were supposed to have played on either wing. But what would happen was Eden would come over to Mata's side and double up. Mata would come over to Eden's side and double up. And so when we have these zones that you're talking about, and if Tuchel saying, no, you stay here, you stay here, you operate in that zone, then maybe we're missing the overloads. Is that what you're talking about? You'd like the freedom so that people just overload and we can be on one side. Yes, I like, I want to
1: see more overloads. Like, I feel like when we've seen that in our games under Tuchel, I feel like that's when we've been our most effective. Do you get what I mean? Like, we've seen a lot of goals come from nice, intricate play where we've overloaded on a specific side of the pitch Hmm. and we shifted up. I think Burnley, I feel like Burnley is a good example. We did that a lot with them on the right-hand side. Hmm. Uh, We just kept overloading with Callum and I forgot whoever else was there, but I think Barkley was playing. We were just penetrating the right-hand side and we just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And eventually they folded because it's like, it takes a lot for defenders to stay concentrated when you're, Constantly just going at one position, going at one position. Do you get what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it's like the best teams, I feel like when they do a lot of overloads, they break teams down better. And I feel like that's something I want to see more in our game next season because we need to have variety in our attack if we want to beat different teams throughout a long season.
0: If we're overloaded down the same side, that's not necessarily right. but I get it's like you don't necessarily have to continually overload. It doesn't
1: all have to be just one side, you get what yeah. I mean. It's just where the opportunities are. You need to be able to take advantage of them. Do you get what I mean? Yeah as best as possible.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess the reason why I bring it up is because it seemed like specifically, especially when we had Eden, most of the our play came down the left. It was all like whenever Eden was there, like of course, when Matter was here at first, Mattel was the prime kind of attacker for us. But as soon as Matter left, then Eden became our main attacker. And I think most of the time, everything just went through Eden. He was the person like with most touches. And, and so it would come down there. But then, again, he was a magician. And we don't necessarily have those magicians. But what we're going to do is now we're going to get into your team. And I think, do we start from the top? I think, let us start from the top. Because... They say save the best for last, but sometimes saving the best for last gets boring. <laughs> so, um, do you have Lukaku as your striker? No way. <laughs> why, why
1: not? Listen, I was seeing me and Lukaku has always just been a thing of prove me wrong because I've just never been sold on him, to be yeah. honest. Okay.
0: When did, you, when did you bow out on Lukaku? When did you decide, you know what, I'm done? To be honest, I was never really on board
1: mm-hmm. it was just more of like let's see how you do yeah and it was a couple of games into the season really I was not really that yeah. I think only the Arsenal game was a bit all right at the start of the season yeah. but outside yeah. of that I just never
0: moved yeah, yeah I mean I agree I think when we sign players no matter even if you don't want them you've got to give them some leeway can't just be a hater all the time, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you can't just win it to not work because that's like egotistical. Um, so I respect that. I respect that. So who do you have up front?
1: So for me, I have up front Kai Havertz.
0: Okay. So, I think we spoke on the last pod about how, why I think Kai Havertz, I'm not saying he can't get goals, but will he be a golden boot chaser? Do you, Can you see him uh, fighting out with Kane for the golden boot? I think... I can see it because
1: I see a lot of positives when Kai plays. Not many negatives, especially when he's in front of goal. I feel like he's someone that he gets those opportunities. He gets into the good positions and his finishing isn't bad. I just feel it's very inconsistent. And I feel that's more just down to the fact that he's still young and fresh to a different league and different tempo and it's like, I feel like he's had a lot of time to really just adjust to how quick defenders get back and how quick um, keepers set themselves and react. And it's like, he's got to adapt his game to that. And I so, feel like once he gets that
0: unlock, we're going to see more goals from him. So is he going to get that unlock this season though? You said that he's young and that's the reason why, but he's he's young, right? He's not going to be 28. So this season, he's still going to be young. So why do you think that he can compete with the likes of Salah and Kane for the Golden Boot?
1: I think it's just more about the fact that he's becoming more confident. Like, if you hear him speak and you see him, he's a very realistic young man. Do you get what I mean? Like, he knows when he's playing bad and he's someone that strives for the best. And it's like, he's had a lot of time to adapt and grow since he's come when he's been in the team, out the team. And I feel like, while being honest, and we've watched his progression you can see that there are a lot of improvements and it's not like it's on a down, downward spiral. It's yeah. on an upward scale for me, like we're seeing more things, for example, his goal against Newcastle. Those were the kind of things we were seeing when he was at Bay- um, Leverkusen, do you get what I mean? Yeah. So it's just more about the fact that he needs to play football. We got okay. him as a false nine, then we got Lukaku and then we were trying to move him around the pitch and it wasn't working. So I feel like he missed out on a lot of just valuable minutes up front and just being able to get himself into comfortable positions to score. I I see it in him. I see it in him. He has it in him.
0: He has it in him. What I'll say is this. If we look at Kane, obviously Son was the Golden Boot winner um, this season. And if we look at Kane, Kane started mad slow. um, And then towards the end of the season, he scored a lot of goals. Salah started mad fast. And towards the end of the season, it kind of dried up. And so we all know that Kai Havertz, um, generally, he's someone that we can rely on in the second part of the season. So then the question comes, if the pattern so far is Kai Havertz usually comes alive in the second part of the season, are you worried about this first part of the season with Kai?
1: It all depends on how we start him off. Because if we look at it like... His starts, his, him at the start of the season, they haven't really been the most smooth starts. Do you get what I mean? It's not like he's always been, yeah, set position. This is where you're playing. Mm-hmm. He's always been moved around a lot, put in with different players that he's got kind of like have different partnerships and understanding with. And it's like, we need to have a level of consistency from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think if we have that, I wouldn't be too worried because he has quality and mm-hmm. it's like, this is his third season now, I believe. Yeah. It'll, First yeah, it'll be his third season, yeah. It'll be his ter- yeah. So it's like he's not a player, like it's not like we just bought a random player that's just happy to be here. Like he has ambitions. I feel like he's more like adjusted now. And I expect him to want to push himself, especially with all the new players that will be coming in. Like he's the 71 million pound player. Like he's not, he's not a small boy, isn't it? Like it was a hundred million pounds, and
0: you want to get rid of his ass. But <laughs> yeah, I get, I get, I get. So for Kai Havertz to be a golden boot chaser, because he's is is he gonna be the person you're gonna expect for to carry the gold burden for us? As
1: it stands right now, because I, I don't know about who else is coming in. And I no, don't I'm know I'm talking about
0: this is your team for your team put yeah. together, he's gonna be the one to carry the gold burden. Okay, yeah, he's gonna be the one, yeah. Okay, okay. Um Okay, so talk me through the rest of your attack. So you have who's the next person we mention in your attack?
1: Okay, so we'll go to the left, left wing, Callum Hudson-Addoe.
0: Callum Hudson-Addoe. Now listen, what do you think the people, the Chelsea fans listening, Chelsea listeners, how do you think they're going to respond to the fact that you've got? Because essentially, I've asked you for your first, your not your first eleven, but this is the eleven I was. Um, I'm asking you that you'd want to see play, start most games for Chelsea next season. So you'd want Hudson to be a first, um, a regular. Sorry. Especially
1: first, in the big games.
0: Yeah, but just a regular. These these are all your regular yeah, you you mean, want Hudson but... and Doyle to be the regular. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So talk me through your choice for Hudson and Doyle to be a regular.
1: For me, it's like. When we look at all the teams like Liverpool, City, they have those players that they're multifaceted. They are good ball progressors. They're good passers. They're good dribblers. They got vision. They're creative. I mean, Mm they always trying to push the envelope. And that is Callum wrapped up in one. Mm -hmm. And it's like his underlying metrics. Whenever you see him on the pitch, you see that we play very freely. And it's like he's a very creative player and it's like, especially against low blocks, Mm -hmm. I like how he likes to play. He's someone that likes to go wide, likes to do like create overloads, likes to do a lot of combination play. One touch passes, flicks because he's like he knows that these little things he does cuts down the amount of time they need to spend on the ball when it comes down to breaking the team down. And it's like the efficiency is important. And I feel like that's something that he would bring to the attack. And he links up well with Kai. We see it when they play together. It doesn't. It's, it's important to have chemistry when you're building an attack. Okay. So
0: if Kai Havertz is your uh, number one goal scorer, then Hudson Do what role is he playing for you in attack?
1: He's going to be, he's going to be like almost like the second, like, the co-creator, because obviously, like the, the the other guy, I'm gonna have on the other side. We'll talk he's about the
0: other work. guy later, but so he he'll be. So you're saying that you've got uh, a goal scorer, and then you've got two co-creators as part of your. Yes. Team. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So let's get to the second co-creator, and you want to tell uh, the audience who that is. Dembele. Okay. So to be fair, we're linked with Dembele. Uh, Grimes has promised us that it's happening, and Grimes is better because otherwise Chelsea fans will they'll get a ban from Twitter. Do you know what I'm saying? They'll report her account. Um, but the first thing that people are gonna say when they see this attack is where are the goals? So I will I'll get up on F breath, but obviously, one of the things that people criticize Hazan Ladoy for, they'll say four goals in the league in four seasons. Um and Kai Havertz, I think the most he scored so far in the league is eight. Um, and then Dembele, this season, he's come back from injury and he's got something like a ridiculous amount of assists, but I think he's got one or two goals. So I guess that people are going to criticise the team and saying, where's the goals?
1: Yeah. And that's a very valid thing to say. But at the same time, for me, if you're asking me what I like to see on the pitch and how I like to see my team play, I, I like to see fluid, creative like players. To no goals. Are able to up. The goals will come. Dembele, the, I feel like Dembele is a very creative player. And it's like when he wants to go and get a goal, he can get a goal. He's a good finisher. He's a good dribbler. And I feel Love. like once he gets to England, we're going to see... We're not going to see amazing... We're not going to see golden boot numbers, but we're going to see a decent amount. I can see him getting at least 10 goals in the
0: league. At Eating. least 10 goals in the league. Yeah. We don't even know if we'll be fit fit enough to do that. But, so... i right, so, neck out. I don't mind. Okay. All right. But, though, to be fair, like, I, I hope you do mind, because what we're going to do is we're going to try to hold everyone to these things. So... Listen, th- when people ask you how many goals do you think this person scores? How many goals do you think that person scores? Why I don't like that question at present is because we don't even have people that play 30 games a season. It's so much easier for me to predict how many goals is a Kane going to score. Kane played 37 games this season, started mm-hmm. most of them for Spurs. How many goals is Salah going to score? Salah started most of the games. So it's so easy. I feel like the only player that we can really have high expectation on for goals is Mount. And the reason why is because Mount is the player that, in our attack, that is probably going to start, you know, 25 to 30 games. At this at this point, at present, we don't have another attacker where we can, I can confidently say you're going to start 25 to 30. Now, if we do sign Dembele, it's going to be a fat, fat contract. And so... Obviously, God willing, if we do sign him, he stays fit and you believe that he'll get about 10 goals.
1: Yeah, I can see that. and I'm not really worried about that. I
0: believe
1: believe his quality is that high. I'm not really that worried about those kind of things with him. It's just about putting him on the pitch.
0: Yeah, but I'm just I'm not even talking about Dembele now. Right now. The question that people are going to pose to you is, how many goals would that attack have if they do manage to be the front three and they manage to play thirty games? And so, what I'm trying to do is ascertain how many goals that attack is capable of, because I've done this analysis before, and a lot of the best attacks they're able to generate about fifty-five to sixty goals, um, and and those are the t- type of attacks that would leave. So, if you think about Mane and Salah um, between them. Like, they'll get 20 goals each, and that's 40. And then the other one will get 15. Like, even if Firmino doesn't have to get 20, then it becomes 55 goals, right? And so if Dembele is getting 10, then to get the 55, that means 45 between Kai and Hudson-Doy, and right? So that means, like, 25... For Kai and twenty for Hudson. Now listen, these are these are not like other teams can have. You know, Mount might be playing in midfield for you, and he might come through with goals like Lampard did, etc. But just doing the like when we looked at Sturridge, Sterling, Suarez, they would manage to get around fifty goals. Even at Chelsea, we had you know Hazard, Costa, Pedro managing to get around fifty goals. So. If if Dembele plays 30 games, 35 games or whatever, gets 10 10 goals for you. Kai Havertz, let's say Kai, this season I think Kai got like eight goals in 18 starts or eight around 18 games. So that's like one and two. But if if Kai plays 30 games, how many goals would you expect him to get? I can see him getting mm.
1: 15, 15 minimum. I can see him getting like at least 15. If he's playing from the beginning, we're getting him for yeah. the whole season of games. Yeah. Yeah. I can see him getting at least 15.
0: Like I said, he got eight. He got eight this season, and I think he must have started like 18 games. Or like. So that's not that that's not bad because that's half the season, right? So him getting 15 isn't even like he has to majorly improve if he starts 30 games.
1: He's just going okay. to have consistency. Like, he's just got to be able to play. Right. The and he
0: didn't even play all of the games up front this season. So, look, there's something in, it in terms of Kai has capacity to score more goals, just if he plays more. OK, so then we come up, we've started with about 10 for Dimbele. Then we've got, um, we're saying 15 for Kai. So that's 25 goals. And so how many would you, if, if Hudson-Doy played 30 games... How many do you
1: think he'd get? and 10. And that's, that's, I guess that's very, that's very... Ambitious? Yeah, that's the word. Very <laughs> ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> very ambitious. <laughs> I still, but... What? You know what it is? It's like, at the end of the day, people have their criticisms about him Mm -hmm. and him being in front of goal but while being very realistic is like he's lacked the consistency of playing games up front Mm -hmm. so expecting him to be a goal threat all the time is very Mm -hmm. unrealistic because you need to be able to have repetition of -hmm. these kind of actions and even Tuku will tell you like he was starting to build up that momentum and he was getting to a point where it's like
0: he had played more than he had. It wasn't done. it wasn't goal scoring momentum. It was it was good playing. Now, what I what what I, I'm gonna challenge you on the ambitious number because I don't want you to have ambitious numbers. I actually want you to give us the numbers where we can say, Yeah, they're gonna definitely get that. And then anything they get on top, that's bonus. So, like this season. The amount of goals that Mount got, we didn't expect it. It's bonus. To be fair, some people could have expected it. If you you took Mount's goal rate under Tuchel specifically, because under Lampard, he wasn't scoring that much. And Tuchel came in, we played a 3-4-3, he was playing close to the goal, and then he started to score more goals. So if he was to take that goal ratio, you could have said, actually, in this team, when you switch to a 3-4-3 under Tuchel, he's scoring more. And so really and truly, I predicted that he'd get more goals than he did but what I'm saying is I want it to be realistic goal I want it to be logical um, amounts that you're going to suggest for players because I I, I'm gonna we're gonna obviously challenge you on this throughout the season and so we don't want to set the bar too high so if you were to say a realistic amount of goals you expect from Hudson-Odoi over 30 starts and listen, you don't have to just because I'm saying realistic it doesn't mean I'm saying keep it low you just have to explain logically why he's gonna get that so give me answer again but make it logical I think ten goals
1: is not like it I, you can say it's asking a lot from him, but at the same time it's like he as, is an
0: attacker and it's as long as you can, as long as you can explain to me logically why you think he's gonna get ten goals.
1: Because he's playing consistent games, and that's the biggest problem. People talk about him and his finishing up front, but at the same time, he's like, he doesn't play enough games up front. He doesn't have the consistency of running games to have the confidence to finish all the time. And it's like, we've seen him in front of goal. He has the tech to score goals. We've seen it in the Champions League. We've seen it in the Premier League. He, for me, have, I, for me,
0: have, I, go on, go on.
1: For me, I believe he just needs to play more games. If we're playing but, 30 games in a season, 30 starts, I believe that he can get 10 goals. Okay. Especially but with I, a team that is fluid and moves uh, well, I uh, believe we're going to be able to get ourselves into good goal-scoring positions.
0: I, I I, agree, but I just I wanted the logical explanation. So I think right now he's more of a one in five. I haven't looked if that's goals to starts or goals to just full appearances. And obviously he's had a lot of sub appearances he's played right wing back etc etc i haven't done that analysis to find out his true capacity as a goal scorer when playing in attack um and so if you're going to go with 10 that's fine i've challenged you and you're still going to go there that's fine so essentially from those attacking three now i know you can get goals from you know other let's say Broja's part of the attack but he's not in your main three or whatever i know you can get from midfield etc But I always just like to calculate roughly how much people are expecting for their main attacking three. And so you've got 10 from Dembele, 15 from Kai, and then you've got another 10 from Hudson Doye, and that brings it up to 35. Now, I've done, I've kind of given you the benchmark of a lot of good attacks. So if you look at Kane and Son, um, both of them, you know, you could expect them to get probably those numbers between the two of them. I think the same with Salah and obviously Mane might not be here, but Salah and Mane, um, and obviously like City have just bought Harland and Alvarez, um, who may be able to get those between the two. Do you feel like you're setting us up for not being able to catch our rivals? By not having enough firepower in the in your main attacking free.
1: I guess maybe I am, but at the same time, it's like it's gonna be a team effort at the end of the day. As much as like we want these guys to be the main source of everything, I believe we have we have enough in other avenues through players like a mount. If we bring back a broja, I feel like we're gonna get, get through it. we're gonna get through the rest of your team now, but it's gonna be a team. It's going to be a team... You kind of need the the context of the bigger... For a whole season, you kind of need to kind of...
0: But what I'm saying is, if we're talking about... We're just going to talk about a team that you would rely on throughout the season. So when we think about teams like the Invincibles, yes, there was a wider squad that played it, but there was that the first 11 that you could count on. It's the same with, you know, when we won the league under Jose Mourinho. It was checking goal. It was Paulo Ferreira right back. It was Galas, Terry, Ricardo Carvalho, um, to be fair, and then obviously Wayne Bridge sometimes, because Gallas would play left back. And then it was Makaleli, it was uh, Lampard, it was Tiago at that point, old school Tiago for those that are too young. There was another Tiago, Portuguese Tiago. Um, and then it was Robin and Duff and then Joko sometimes. And then it was Good Johnson or Drogba. But really and truly, like, the spine of teams, you, a lot of the times you can just name, the like, the core 11. And I believe the more that, you know, uh, you can't name that, I think the, the more um, it's because you don't have players that you can rely on. Now, I know that, obviously, um, now we're competing in so many fronts and it's a squad game. But, I yeah, I'm just focusing on the attack for goals because... Yes, there's going to be, uh, be goals coming from the defence and the other contributors. But equally, City are going to have goals coming from other places. So I just want to focus on the guys we're relying on for goals because there are going to go be goals coming from other players. But the guys that we are relying on goal for goals, can they compete with our peers in the guys? They're going to be relying on goals. But it's OK. You've, you've chosen your front three and you're happy with that. Um, and so let's move to the, the midfield. And you know what? Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, one thing I'll say about me I'm someone that's very, I'm not always just wedded to one thing, I can move, I can take <coughs> things in, yeah. and I'm very adaptable. So, yes, perfect. So, what I'm gonna do after I've taken everything in, since we're just gonna go through it and it's my team, I'm gonna change certain up real quick.
0: Okay, that's fine. I've
1: taken in some information, you get what I mean. <laughs> Okay, it. Okay. cool. So obviously you've had some valid points to raise when it comes to we need to have more numbers up front if we want to catch City yeah. and Liverpool. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to move Callum out of the attack. Okay. I'm going to move Mount into
0: the left. Okay, into the attack. Yes. Okay. So this is going to be a free at the back. Okay. All right. Well, now I don't know what team you're going to have. So I'm going to find out with the listeners what your team's going to be like. So don't tell me. But So you've moved Callum out and you've moved Mount in. And a lot of Chelsea fans and the Chelsea listeners, uh, probably this is more like what they'd expect because obviously Mount, player of the season. So for him to be a squaddy rather than someone that we rely on, is probably like a stretch. But so with the talk us through your move, to put Mount into the attack?
1: Like you said, it would be a bit of a stretch. And I want to be fair. Do you get what I mean? Like, I'm not just here to push agendas. Do you get what I mean? And I'm someone that's been very critical of Mount on Twitter and in conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And this season, he's impressed me. At the same time, he's also played a lot of football since mm-hmm. he's become a Chelsea player. So I do have a certain level of expectations of what I want for him. At this point mm-hmm. and he stepped up he's shown that he can get goals he's shown he can get assists he's mm-hmm. shown he can play in big games mm-hmm. so i am doing a, him a disservice to not put him in the attack mm-hmm. i feel like he can therefore build upon what he did this season in his mm-hmm. um golden assist numbers mm-hmm. but I also feel like he's also someone that is tactically like he's very easy to move around the pitch. It's Mm -hmm. very good to understand instructions and I feel like he would link well with Havertz and Dembele. Okay, So I'll have him on the left.
0: Okay, so it's interesting. It is really interesting. Now I'm going to challenge you you again. So Mount starts 30 games. Dembele and Havertz are his uh, attacking partners. How many goals do you expect him to get in these 30 games, what did he get at the end oh. of the season? I think he got 11. 11. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. man got 11. I can see 15. You can say yeah. 15. You can say can same 15 same. as a minimum. Okay. All I right. can see 15 true. as a minimum because I feel like going into next season, especially with play, a player like Dembele on the right, who is very creative,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I feel like Mount is a player that likes to take shots. We've seen it a lot more towards the end of the season, especially when it's time to step up. He's someone that likes to take shots. And he's not a bad shooter in this. So I feel like this season, going into next season, I feel like he's just going to want to build upon what he did last season.
0: Yeah, I've always seen. So I think I I first started to... I've heard about Mount ages ago. I heard about Mount when McEacheron was coming through. McEacheron was like 17, 18, and I think Mount was like 13, um, but I first really saw him when he was like 15, 16. And I didn't even see him for Chelsea. I saw him for England. And he was scoring these goals where he was cutting in from the left, being jinxy, showing technique um, and scoring goals. And I always, when I saw him coming through from, from those goals, I always thought that, I know people are saying he's like at eight, but I always just thought like this guy is a bit of an attacker. And I, I just saw him more like, more like, not necessarily like, a baller like, in terms of the same kind of like technical level and stuff like that, even though I do believe that Mount is really, like his technique is really good. I think that's one of the best things about his game. Um, but I just always saw like the best version of Mount I could see is someone that was on the left, cutting in and then shooting and getting goals. Because I could see, I think a lot of the time we try to um, project and impress our Um, ideas onto what players should be but a lot of the time I just look what are you driven by and I think for me central midfielders they're part of the. they need to be a bit more like people that care about helping the team that they can't be as individualistic for me because they have to sacrifice they have to oh I'm gonna even though I'm up here And the ball's all the way back there. I'm going to run all the way back because my team needs me. And I just feel like with Mount, I feel like his focus is so much on getting goals and assists, even in the recent articles. Whenever, in fact, most of the interviews I hear him talking about now, he's talking about targets, getting goals and assists, trying to be the person to rely on, that Chelsea can rely on. People say it's the main man complex, and he's got that. And I do believe that um, a lot of these players that carry teams, they need to have that main character syndrome that people criticize Mount for because like they're literally preparing themselves to be the rescue man um and so I think with Mount in attack it just makes way more sense than him in midfield I believe that midfielders they have they're less individualistic um I feel like midfielders more care about the team I know that a lot of people see midfielders the number eight Lampard and He's a midfielder and, and he still, he was individualistic. But I just feel like, especially in the formation we've got, I, I see Mount as firmly as an attacker. And I think a lot of his goals, if you watch back his goals, he's coming in from that left and he's shooting in the right. And I think, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see him develop there. But another thing that I just, before we move on to the midfield, I didn't mind Johansson and Dois-Trace because... As I'm going through and I'm talking to different people about their preferred elevens I want to see differences. I think what's most interesting is our differences. And you have been the flag bearer for Hudson-Odoi, like almost like the number one flag bearer for Hudson-Odoi. So it is a bit disappointing you've taken him out, but I, I get it. you sold your soul to the devil because of goals. It's cool. Um, so let's, let's talk through your midfield. So you've got Mount, Havertz, then Bellet as an attack. Talk me through your midfield.
1: Okay, so we've got that sorted. So for me, personally, if I had my way, I would still have Jorginho starting for us. I know a lot of people question him a lot and whether or not he should be starting for us, but we see him up against the Fabinhos, the Fernandinos, the Rodri's. We like We see him go up against these greats and it's like, he is not no small player. And I feel like, we see the difference when he's on the t- on the pitch and when he's not on the pitch. We have a lot of good midfielders, but none of them can control the tempo like him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is very vital when it comes to winning midfield battles. I feel like he's someone that's important to have there.
0: Okay, wait, before, before you go on, and the only reason I'm going to ask this question is because it won't be fair if you put Jorginho there and then he goes. So like, we'll keep Jorginho in your team, but I'll also give you just in case he leaves, who would you have to replace him? Who would you bring in to replace him? As in bring transfer-wise or play in that position? You have the ability to either bring them in transfer-wise or do a low or pick someone else that we already have. Mm. I'll, I'll let you think on that, but whilst you think on that, tell us your other two.
1: Okay, cool. So the other person I'll play in that position... I would go, if we're taking Jorginho out, I would go with Kovacic and Kante as my starting two. Okay. I feel like a lot of people have their doubts and their issues with Kante playing, but I feel like if we manage him well, he'll be fine. And I feel like he still has enough in him to play a large role in the team, to Mm -hmm. play a lot of games for us, especially in the league. Mm -hmm. I feel like him as that guy that's there to mop things up to win the ball back and also contribute with his um runs with his he's he's a he's a very technical player like he doesn't get enough credit for that like yeah. his little one twos his little um switches of play mm-hmm. when we're in the counter attack he's someone that is very i feel like he's pretty good when it comes to when we're in transitions like a lot of people question his final ball but for the a lot of the time like when we've seen him in those kind of positions We've, uh, we've we've, had a lot of good, a lot of joy from it. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, he's someone that I value enough to start going into a season. Like he's someone that I feel like he's a world-class player that I would have there. Yeah. And someone that I would have beside him, like coverages. someone that is good on the ball, a good passer. He's, mm-hmm. Someone that can control a tempo to a certain extent, not like a Jorginho because he likes to dribble a lot. So he doesn't like to just be one position. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if we're going to take Jorginho out, the way my picking order is, I would have covetage and Kante. And I feel like they would have a good partnership, a good blend. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we're going to have a double pivot. So both of them can rotate when it comes to who's going to be the one that's sitting the deepest. you get what I mean? Okay, that like we have enough in both of them together to have them as a
0: pivot. So, I'm happy with that. So, you're gonna have them as a pivot,
1: yes, because at okay. the back,
0: okay, all right. And so, who are your wing backs?
1: So, this is where it gets a bit fun. Do you get what I mean? So, obviously, I got Reese James, yes, on the right. Now, mm-hmm. like you don't even need to ask me that he's dead, yeah. that's his position, future captain on the left. We have a bit of a dilemma because Chowell, I don't think he's someone that we can rely on coming into the next season. Like, we need yeah. to let him take his time. So, because of the alteration I had to make, I will play <laughs> the at the back. Yeah. I'm playing Callum. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So obviously, you thought I sold my soul. But I did. I had a little certain... I'm glad around the corner, you go. I mean, and a little so,
0: All right, yeah. you surprised me and you surprised the audience. This is good because I was disappointed. I was really disappointed. Come because, on, man. It's because me he, and Callum, you should never I doubted. Should have doubted. You should never have doubted. I shouldn't have doubted. I, don't let Cho go. 2018, don't let Cho go. Starboy this star boy that. And I've just seen obviously transfer request and injury. And I've just seen obviously the full. Fan base be behind him. And every single season and every single month, it seems like it's dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. And now it's just a few good men left that believe. And so for you to have taken him out of the team, I was like, ah, that's like one of his strongest soldiers. And and even he's down and out. But you're you're still alive to fight for Cho another day. So you've got him as the left wing back. And you've got Reese James as the right wing back. You've got Kovacic and Kante in midfield. You've got Dembele and Mount and then Kai through the middle. That doesn't sound too bad so far. I don't think that's yeah, I don't that doesn't sound too bad at all. Um now obviously center backs, we've been decimated. It seems like Barcelona have just said they've just ordered our backline. They just said, yeah, on give me the Chelsea backline. Do you know what I'm saying? And I don't know if Xabi can't coach a defence and he's just going to tell him, listen, do whatever you, you know, do whatever Tuchel told you to do at Chelsea and just defend. But they've come for Alonso. They've come for Aspe, They even came for Rudiger. Obviously, they're trying for Christensen as well. They've got Christensen, sorry. Um, so we need a lot of incomings in, in, in defence. So I'll be super interested to hear who you have in your back three.
1: So with me, I'm a back free. Mm-hmm. Sweeper. Tiago Silva. For me.
0: 38-year-old Thiago Silva. Yes. Okay.
1: Without a doubt. Okay. His age to me doesn't even matter because I feel like he's proven time after time that it's just a number. Like mm-hmm. where he applies himself, the way he takes care of his body, his mm-hmm. his he's been in the game for a long time. He's a very studied student of the game he knows how to play smart Mm -hmm. someone that I want to be there in the team as a leader Mm
0: -hmm. then on the left Kulibali. Kulibali on the left okay so we're linked with Um, left center back so he'll be taking Rudiger's position why do you think uh, he'd be a good option for a left center back I feel like he
1: is good on the ball, which is very important for the kind of football we want to play. We want to be able to play at the back. We want to be secure in possession. Mm -hmm. He's got that. He's also someone that is very assured in his defending. He's not someone that's easy to get past. He's very strong and he's good in the air. So I feel like having someone like him on the left-hand side, when we have a wing-back like Callum, who's a winger, who likes to get forward, Mm -hmm. it's important to have that protection. And you have Thiago there on the beside them. So I feel like that's enough protection there with our midfield for Callum to go and
0: be more free in attack. Yeah, yeah. So what I'll say is, I did this analysis a long time ago, so maybe it's changed. But I remember when I was uh, weighing up centre-back options, maybe in 2020, and I don't think... It looked like Kulibali wasn't the best area, league, to be fair. Um, I know he's quite tall and... People think that comes out of the box with tall players, but you still have to learn how to be good um, at headers. But one thing I would also mention is that what Rudiger gave us and what why I like Rudiger and Trevor Chalabar as our wide centre-backs is because they can carry the ball. And so essentially getting the ball to our wing-backs, especially in this 3-4-3, is so important in this game. Um, because if, the, if there's too many people... but well, essentially we need to get up the the ball to the wing backs quick because, um, what they're the easiest people to get it to. It's difficult to get it to our attackers because they have to remain quite high, and if they come back to get the ball deeper, then they they're not going to be able to you know do damage because they're deep and they've got to take the ball all the way up. So, getting the ball to the wing backs is so important, and Rudiger helps us do that by running forward. Um, and I think if Pete for people that could have been on some spaces and they're like, oh. Koulibaly can't play left centre back. I just don't think you know Koulibaly. Kulubay can can run with the ball. He's very technical and he can run with the ball. Um, yeah, not necessarily the same way Rudiger does because I think that like Rudiger's running into space, etc. But he's really he's got good feet. kulibali has got for a big guy, he's got good feet and he can run with the ball um, up and up and down that left side. But equally, I can see him being the the, set, the sweeper centre back as well because he's that good on the ball. Um, so that's interesting. So you've got Koulibaly, left centre-back, and you've got Thiago Silva, sweeper, and then who you've got right centre-back?
1: Like you said, it's important to have right centre-backs that are good at carrying the ball to our wing-backs. Yeah. And like you said, Koulibaly isn't the strongest in the air, but at the same time, it's like we defend the numbers. You get what I mean? So my right centre-back would be Trev. Easy. Oh, interesting. I feel like he's had his moments. Tuku's taken him out of the team. He's had his moments with him. But I feel like one thing that I feel like Tuku likes about him is someone that takes in instructions and he pushes himself. He doesn't settle for less. And it's like, I feel like he'll be ready to come into this season, this next season, to prove himself again. The same way that people didn't expect him to have that much of a role this season, he mm-hmm. stayed and he became a vital part of the team. I feel like he would be very good in the kind of football I want to play, good on the ball, very secure. I want centre-backs that are not timid. Like, yes, he can be rash on the ball, but I feel like a lot of the best centre-backs get themselves in certain kind of situations sometimes because what they're not sitting on their laurels. They know that sometimes I need to be the one that's pushing the initiative to be the aggressor because if I'm not, that could lead to my team conceding. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's something about Trevor that I like about him. He has confidence.
0: Okay. So what about Kunde? Because Kunde seems like he's coming in. Um, he's someone that can travel. The ball. listen, I believe in Trevor as well, but Kunde can also do that job. So have you seen enough of Kunde to accurately like judge him?
1: Not really. That's why for me, like I like him and I like the idea of him and what's been sold to me. Yeah. But at the same time, like he is a short center back too. So it's like you got take even though like that doesn't always matter because if you have a good leap, if you're good at contesting the ball, that's all that matters really. But at the same time, it's like for me, for what I know, my my the guy that I'm backing the most to start the games and be the most consistent for me is Trevor.
0: Yeah.
1: I have no problem with that.
0: Okay, all right, cool. So uh Mendy in goal. Yep. Okay, okay. So that's your full team. Um, And it's your main team. And so, can I pass judgment on your team? Of course. Okay. So I think it started off rocky. You you saw me challenging you heavily when it came to your attack. I just didn't believe in your attack in terms of the goal scoring numbers. Um, With the attack you have now, I'm happier. I'm happier because I think. With Reece James and Hudson Doeh, those two players, they're actual attackers too. I know that Reece James right back is etc. Reece James probably out of all of them guys have, has the best strike on him, um, and he's obviously danger from crossing. So he's a, I think, and he's good on the ball. He's a capable attacker. Sometimes we play wing backs like Aspi. I just don't count him as an attacker. Even though, like Tuchel says, we play five attackers, five defenders. When you're playing ASP for me, that's you're not an attacker. When you're playing Alonso, I just feel like, again, yes, he's got a good strike, but he's not good on the ball. But I, what I like about the five you have across attack in hudson uh Mount, um, Havertz, Dembele and Reese James, to me, that's a dangerous five. Like, you stumbled upon this because you was going to bring some bullshit before, but that's a dangerous fight. <laughs> that's a dangerous fight. It's, it's good. You've done better than, than you would have done. So I'm glad that you re it. Um, so with Hudson-Odoi attacking-wise as a left wing-back, people might think, actually, defensively, is that going to leave us full short? You talk about Kulibaly there. It's fair enough. Um... You know, it's fair, it's fair enough,
1: maybe. I think they're doing Callum a disservice, in my
0: opinion, because he's, he's played a lot of games at that like wing back, he's, and he's. But no, but the reason why I say that is because, do we want Callum the defensive player or do we want Callum the attacker? And so we want so, Callum the attacker, but I feel like he's shown.
1: We've seen him in this position before as well. It's like we've seen him in that hybrid wing back
0: attack. But but my my what I'm actually saying is that. If Callum, if we want to see the best of Callum, then actually I'd prefer it if the formation and the structure is placed so that he's able to do way more attacking than defensive. That's the beauty of the 3-4-3 because you have
1: someone on the right like Rhys James who can be a threat down the right with his crossing and with his goal threat, but guess what? we got Dembele on the right too. So he can also bring that crossing threat that goal threat at times and you can get Reese to be more inverted which leaves space for our left centre-back to cover more do you get what I mean that's why it's important to have these kind of players it's, that are very but, flexible
0: but what I'm saying yeah. is what I'm saying is in the current 3 4 three, 3 we have with the current manager we have there's still a lot of defensive work for the win backs is it there is still a lot of defensive and I'm not saying I'm not saying that um, you should change or anything like that. I'm just saying that um, I'm thinking about with Hudson-Odoi there and Koulibaly there, it's good. Um, I would just I would look for it to be a, the type of 3-4-3 where Hudson-Odoi has allowed the freedom, like you said at the top of the podcast, he's allowed the freedom to do a lot more attacking than defensive work. Because I think Callum Hudson-Odoi will do defensive work compared to a lot of wingers in that position. Uh, but I just don't want him to do too much. That's all I'm saying on, in that regard. Kovacic, Kante, both of them have had injuries, um, recurring injuries throughout the season. So maybe they won't last throughout the season. They're maybe not robust enough. Um, but but at the same time, two good players, two experienced players for Chelsea. And that back three, again, Trevor, love Trevor. Thiago is going to be older as well, so there's going to be questions around that. Mendy... Had, a, had an amazing, insane first half of the season to follow up his insane end to Tuchel's cool, um, first, whatever, four months here. Um, but then has he's had a really kind of mediocre subpar uh, last h- part of the season. So hopefully a rest um, and recuperation and linking up with his countrymen in Kulibaly will mean that he comes back strong. Okay, so... I always say it's better to focus on our team than look what Man City's doing, et cetera, et cetera, even though I have done that when I bring up Alvarez and Haaland and all that type of stuff. But do you feel like this team that you've just um, put together, do you feel like they could be a title-challenging team? Not title-challenging, title-winning team. I believe
1: they can do that. Yeah? It's not going to be a simple thing. But I believe these kind of players, the quality they have in a formation like this, allowing them to be fluid, allowing them to connect and play as a team, I feel like they can, I feel like there's enough firepower, enough creativity to challenge for the title and become winners. I feel like there's enough defensively, enough in the midfield and enough in the attack to get what you need.
0: Yeah, I feel like, to be fair, looking at and thinking about the team, I think in attack, you've got two hard working players, two really hard working players in Havertz and uh, Mount. And then you've got two really creative players in um, Dembele and Hudson mm-hmm. and Reese James. So you've got three. Exactly. To be fair. Um, you've got, in terms of shooters, I feel like you've got, um, in terms of spammy shooters, you've got Mount, who's a spammy shooter. And I also think you've got Dembélé, who's a bit of a spammy shooter too. You got Reese. He's not a spammy shooter. I think when I, I, say, was,
1: spammy, I don't say spammy, spammy, but he's someone that I, I, feel that we see enough when he gets a when the ball falls to. This is
0: so yeah. I'm just focusing on spammy shooters. So in terms of the spammy shooters, I think it's Dembélé and uh, Mount. I think with Reese James, he's more of a sharpshooter. I think he, yeah, I think he's a big danger. And don't forget. He was out for half a season and he got a good number of goals. And playing in this more attacking position, I think he can really load up. So I think we do have goals there in terms of Reese, in terms of Mount. I think both of them can maybe get, you know, double digits. And then I think with Dembele, again, I don't think it'll be foreign if he can stay fit to get double digits. I think Havertz will get double digits. And then with hudson I feel like obviously people forget that he's even like he's younger than Mount too, like like two years younger than Mount. I think he's one year older than Reese James, but again, Reese James has played started way more games than him. So like it's like with Vinicius, he's gone from someone that didn't score many at all, but like that didn't really bother Real Madrid. They weren't focused on the goals. They were just letting him cook. Do you know what I'm saying? And even Reese James, if you look at him this season compared to the season before, like the growth has been incredible, but he had the time to just cook without expectations. And I feel like Hudson Odoi, unfortunately for him, and I know people are going to say, "Oh, he brought on himself. he signed a big contract, or whatever, and whatever crazy rubbish," which I don't agree with. But I still believe he hasn't really had that much time to cook. Um, this season, he's played the most. And to be fair to him, uh, to Tuchel, he started the season as wing back, but then very quickly he started to play just in attack, and so. He's been injured. Um, we're hearing that Hudson-Odoi has come back early and he's training to be strong for next season. So it's interesting. But I'm also hearing Tuchel really talking about how that attack, he needs numbers in attack. And I don't think he believes he can trust Hudson-Odoi for numbers in attack. And obviously with Dembele, someone that's got loads of assists, I feel like he can trust him for assists. But I'm so intrigued in who he's going to trust for goals in attack. But man like joe thanks for doing this first we've got your team so if you could do that team for me again and send it through i'm going to put that as part of the podcast um picture and we'll do these one-on-ones with each of the cast members and it'll just be good to have this so that when the season starts we can go back and we can laugh at some people's teams and we can praise other people's teams um, all right cool any any last words you want to say on it um, before we close out
1: obviously you saw a change in my team but the most important thing to take from that is like that's the most thing, that's the one thing I do like about Tuchel is like he likes to change things he likes to analyze the landscape and then move based off what he sees and you get me points you questioned me you pushed me made me think a bit and I like this team that I came out with. I like it way more yeah. than what I started with. So Yeah,
0: yeah. I respect yeah. it. I really like it. I think, just before we close, um, with Hudson-Odoi as wing-back, I prefer it just because a lot of 3 4 they have too many defensive players. But I think now I like the mixture of attacking players you have on the pitch a lot more. I, it feels like really have five attackers, three defenders and two midfielders.
1: Especially, yeah, so... Especially with what you said about Callum and, like, the pressure for him to get numbers. is like, when you have him as left wing-back, you're allowing him to play his game yeah. to be wide, to be the creative player, but yeah. also be on the left.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Be on the left so he can come in on his right. Yeah, and like yeah. with the other players around the pitch who are able to carry their own weight, it allows him to be himself. And mm-hmm. when he's being himself, Don't be surprised if you start to see him do things that you wouldn't expect him to have been doing before because he's got the freedom to just play his game and grow. Yeah, yeah, I I remember... Formation is what we need.
0: I remember the Arsenal pre-season game from last season. He played left wing back and he was roasting. He was roasting their players and he might as well have been playing left wing, but uh, we didn't get to see him that much at left wing back. But it's interesting. I'm glad we've got the first uh, desired 11. So this is man like Joe's desired 11 for uh Chelsea 2022 2023 we'll come back with another cast member we'll see all of the desired 11s you can mock us or you can praise us let us know we just want to put our opinions out there and then we'll let the listening audience uh, make their judgments but thank you again for listening I've been Daniel soft and this is man like Joe's 2022 2023 desired 11 we'll see you next week oh Twitter And ranting, doing the most true. Say that money is power, so when you get money, keep quiet and ghost. Ghost. I remember when I shot my shot, but I didn't have got, so I hit the post. But next time, it's a golden goal. Sports Social Podcast Network.